0: You know, it's funny, I stand up here, like, every Sunday night, and it always makes me nervous, every time. I'm going to have to adjust this, too, because I'm not that tall. I know, I keep praying for it, and, you know, (laughs) I just don't know if God's going to bless me with that, but I can hope so. Um, (laughs) Amen, I love it, yeah. I love you, Mr. Andrews, you're awesome. Uh, So how is everybody this morning? All right, so I'm going to do my best not to shake through this. Um, I'm really not that nervous. I'm actually quite comfortable up here, but um, sometimes I get a little nervous. But anyhow, so uh, this morning I get to bring the word. Uh, Dan, trust me to do this again. I love you. (laughs) Um, But uh, we've been doing these post-it notes from God, and uh, we've learned a lot. We've we've talked a lot about some, some heart issues, and we've talked a lot about some some things that that I think God has been speaking to Dan and speaking to Jeremy and speaking to uh, all the other guest speakers that we've had. and um, This last message is really resonating with me. Um, We started this last portion where it's it's Post-it Notes from God, Remember To. Um, And Dan started this last portion with Remember To Take Out the Trash. And uh, the symbolism behind what he did when he had that trash can up here, he was picking up the pieces and carrying them over that wrecked me. <laughs> Every time Dan speaks and something like that just comes so naturally, it, it always destroys me inside. And I'm like, okay, God, rebuild me, rebuild me. Um, and then then uh, <laughs> Wayne brought post-it notes from God. Remember, to water the flowers. And uh, his question, what does it feel like to be planted in my garden? That made me start thinking, okay, God, what's going on in my heart? What am I What water is coming from me? What life is coming from me to the people around me? Um, And that, oh my word, I wrote that down at least four times on the sticky notes that we had on the seats, and they're all over my house now. Um, But I constantly look at that, and I'm constantly thinking, okay, what am I doing? What am I doing? How am I affecting the people around me that are planted in my garden? And this week, Pastor Dan has entrusted me to bring this post-it note. Remember to love your neighbor. This one is a tough one to preach, um, let alone, um, I think this might even just be a hard one for me. Um, From my background, I I had to be a mean person before, and and it's hard to come out of that and and to see just people at their worst all the time. Um, And to to be completely honest, I struggle with loving my neighbor. Um, I'll even say this, uh, I didn't actually know my neighbor's name until this last week, in the literal sense, you know, not just the, you know, loving everybody around us, but I actually did not know my neighbor's name. And so, uh, yeah, that kind of that challenged me. Um, God definitely put that sticky note in front of my face these last couple Amen. of weeks. Um, and I'm very thankful that even though I fall short, uh, not just in the literal sense of not caring to know my neighbor's name but um in the sense of you know you guys are my neighbors and sometimes i fall short when you guys are just you know right here and i'm trying to help you or you're helping me or something to that extent um i'm very thankful that god is the god of second chances and Thanks thirds Lord. and fourths and fifths um so before we get into this uh, let's pray Father, I thank you that you are the God of second chances, Lord. I thank you that uh, this morning we get to come in here, and it is just a, an expression of our thankfulness for that second chance, Lord. Um, I pray that you open up our minds, you open up our, our hearts, Lord, and your Holy Spirit just speaks to us, Lord. Speak to our hearts, Lord, uh, broken as they may be. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, Dalton and Teresa are my neighbors. Um, I actually got their neighbors. They also have two sons, Michael and Trevor. I'm pretty sure his name is Trevor. I'm terrible with names. If any of you guys know me, I'm terrible with names. (laughs) Sometimes I forget my own name. It happens. Um, So anyhow, Dalton and Teresa, uh, while I do uh, enjoy our encounters, um, yeah, as scarce as they may be, especially with my crazy work schedule, I mean, uh, I mostly interact with Teresa, she's the one who's always home, and uh, she's always very kind to me. Um, last Monday, the Holy Spirit totally convicted me, um, so in our Young Adults group, Converge, we've been talking a lot about the heart issues, um, we've been talking a lot uh, about the Holy Spirit leading us and choosing God in the moment. Um, I wish I could say I did that all the time, but let's be honest, I'm I'm human and, and I'm a flawed person and a flawed creation, but I'm made whole by Jesus. Um, but yes, the Holy Spirit totally convicted me this last week. And, and <laughs> to be honest, as nice as Dalton and Teresa are to me, they make me really uncomfortable because they're my neighbors and I don't know them. Um, but therein lies the problem. Um, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. Uh, just as everyone in this room either has a relationship with Jesus or doesn't, um, we're all searching for something. We're all searching for God. We're all searching for that relationship. And uh, I'm happy to say that my relationship with Jesus is ever becoming. and I see that in everyone in here. Um, So, as I searched Google for biblical passages on loving thy neighbor... um, I was strangely hit with that realization from the Holy Spirit that sometimes I am so disconnected from my neighbors that it's not really a surprise to me that I didn't even know their name. Um, and it it doesn't come to a surprise to me that it's difficult to love these people that I barely know. Um, <laughs> I recently read this, this book called "UnChristian," um, and if you guys haven't read it, I definitely recommend it um, it's a very it's a very difficult read and at the same time it challenges me in so many different ways. Um, and to be honest, I'm guilty of almost every single uh, topic that it discusses. Um, but through reading this book and through just searching my Bible, I discovered a few things about my neighbors that, to be honest, I, shocked me. To be honest, I, I, I couldn't believe that I was one way before and now that i have jesus in my life i'm completely different and i think in such a different way Um, but one particular thing from this book stood out and it's actually the very first sentence of the book christianity has an image problem now um a good friend of mine uh, and a life coach told me that i would throw this book and i didn't believe him very first sentence i threw it Um, (laughs) But I picked it back up off the floor and I felt convicted to learn the truth of that statement. Um, and I've since then been praying and praying and asking Jesus to take my relationship a step further. Um, and and not just take it a step further, but take it to that uh, place where I'm understanding it at the heart level and that it's getting in me before I'm taking it to other people. Uh, so... Jesus wrecked me this last Monday, and, and he whispered in my ear, um, "Would you want to be your neighbor?" And much like, much like Wayne's comment, what is it like to be in our garden or in my garden? You know, what is it like to be my neighbor? Um, Pastor Dan's great. Can I tell you guys that? His idea uh, for this message, when we first talked about it, was uh, for me to. Come walking in like a scene from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Um, and while I have a flair for acting, and I really love that idea, um, can you really see me wearing tennis shoes and a blazer? No. <laughs> um, yeah. So I turned to my Bible, um, and uh, I looked for a few verses, and um, we'll get the, the one that uh, I think we're all expecting which is Mark 12, 31. Love your neighbor as much as yourself. Um, We'll come back to that. Now that I've gotten that out of the way, we're going to look to John 4, and we're going to actually be talking about a story that we all know. It's about Jesus and his encounter with the Samaritan woman at a well. Now, um, I don't have the whole story up here because uh, we're actually going to be focusing on one verse. Um, So Jesus is taking the disciples through Samaria, um, and this verse here, John 4, 4, is really important. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So, I'm going to give you a little more context on that verse. Um, Jesus is taking 12 Jews, um, who are like the arch-nemesis of the Samaritans, um, he's taking them through Samaria. Um, now we know the story, Jesus goes, he sends the disciples off to go get him some Chick-fil-A, and he sits down at a well to rest and, you know, uh, get some water and relax while they go find Chick-fil-A or, or maybe even some Jimmy John's. And um, while he's there, this Samaritan woman comes up and he starts to talk to her. Now, Contextually, Jews don't talk to Samaritans. They don't interact with Samaritans. They actually completely avoid Samaritans at all costs because they are the half-breed Jews. They are the um, not-pure Jews. They don't get the promise of God because they're not fully Jew. Um, But looking at this verse here, now he had to go through Samaria. I love this story and this, this, this encounter with this woman at the well. Now, to fully understand uh, some context about Samaria, I want to show you this picture. Um, it is a 70-mile journey from Judea to Galilee. You can make that trip in about two and a half days. Jews avoided Samaritans so much that they would go all the way out Across the Jordan River, all the way up, back over, and then to Galilee. That 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 almost doubles the distance of, of that journey from Galilee or from Judea to Galilee. That's how bad they did not want to interact with Samaritans. And and <laughs> I love that it says that Jesus had to take them. Um, most Jews would travel all the way around to avoid them because they hated their neighbors. They didn't care to know the people closest to them. But Jesus doesn't do that, right? Thank goodness when we encounter Jesus in our lives, things change and we start to care about people that we never knew before and we start to care about things that didn't really matter to us. Now, so Jesus is, is chilling here. His disciples are looking for... Uh, some Chick-fil-A, and, and he's chilling at a well, and it's, it's actually Jacob's well, and we're not going to actually go into uh, the implications of that well specifically, um, but it is important, and if you guys want to look it up, I, I encourage you guys to Google it, or go to some Bible, like study Bible, it's, it's great, um, but the gist of the story is the Samaritan come, or the Samaritan woman comes to the well, she being, then begins a theological debate with Jesus that ends with her saying, well, I know the Messiah is coming, and that when he does, he will tell us all things. And then Jesus rocks her mind by saying, I who speak to you am he. I love how how cryptic that is. Um, And just just as Jesus is showing this woman God's love, um, which actually, how is Jesus showing her God's love? Well, number one, he's talking to her. That's like a huge no-no in their culture at the time. Secondly, she's not only a Samaritan woman, which makes her a reject in the eyes of Jews, but she's also a reject within her own community of people because she's been married five times and the dude she's living with now isn't even her husband. And Jesus actually tells her her life and tells her that. And then he drops this love bomb on her that he is the Messiah that she's been waiting for and that he's come specifically for her. And then 12 Jewish guys come walking up And their first response is, is, is it's kind of troubling, um, at least to me. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but I think it's fair to imagine that as they're walking up to the Samaritan woman and Jesus, um, she sees their faces and freaks out and runs back into town. And they're looking at Jesus like, what are you doing? Don't you know that this woman is a Samaritan woman? Don't you know that she is essentially a prostitute on top of it? Because, by the way, uh, Samaritan women, Jewish women, uh, pretty much any woman living in this area of the world, they don't go to the well in the middle of the day. And that's when it says that Jesus is here with her, is during the middle of the day. She is so rejected by her own people that she has to go to the well when no one else is going to be there. And in a moment... She's speaking with Jesus, and he drops this love bomb on her, and then she is told that everything has changed, and then she looks up and she sees his disciples and the way they're looking at her, and then she sees nothing's changed because, let's be honest, they're Jewish men who have been raised their entire life to believe that Samaritans are everything that God doesn't want. So they come back, they see her, she sees them, and she runs back in a town. And, and we're going to get to three things that I believe from this passage, of, this passage that we can get. Not only for our own lives, but uh, for our interactions with other people. Um, so Jesus took these 12 disciples, these 12 men, into Samaria to teach them a lesson. At least that's what I've come to gather from this. And upon arriving there, he tells them to go out, get some food, um, to pick up uh, some Chick-fil-A while he rests by the well. And can you imagine what that must have been like for the 12 disciples? These 12 dudes who just started hanging out with this Jesus guy. And he takes them through essentially what is like the bad part of town. And then he tells them to go off on their own and find some food. Now these 12 men were raised their entire lives to hate Samaritans. And then Jesus tells them to go by themselves into a Samaritan town to find food. Can you imagine what it's like for them as they're walking through town? And they're like, you know, hey, do you have any food that we can buy? And these Samaritans are probably looking at them like, no Jews, we don't have anything for you. We don't even want you here. Like, what are you doing here? Are you crazy? You think I'm going to sell to you? And then they return to this scene uh, of Jesus showing the father's love to this woman who's rejected by them just for the simple fact that she's a Samaritan, but on top of that, she's rejected by her own people, and on top of that, they've been raised their entire lives to reject Samaritans. <laughs> and they're look, and then Jesus tells them, you know, backing it up again, go out and spend some time in their city and find some food. Can you imagine what they're thinking? Like, I want to go back. I want to go back to Judea. Let's Let's go back around the long way like any normal sane Jew. I want to go where the people are. I want to go where they're singing and dancing. You know, uh, I watch way too much Disney. But seriously, these people are in a town where they are so completely rejected, they just want to go back. Like, get me out of Samaria. Please, Jesus, are you crazy? Oh. And then we have this scene of them seeing Jesus. And they're like, come on, Jesus, let's go back. They don't want us here. And so they're walking up to Jesus and this woman in their robes and their Birkenstocks. And and simultaneously, as they're walking up, Jesus is revealing himself to her. And he's saying, I am he. And she's like, whoa, you're the Messiah I've been waiting for. And then the next thing she sees are 12 faces of racists, essentially. Christianity has an image problem. And the Bible says she took off running, and then he looks to the disciples and he says, uh, I have food that you don't know about. And they're like, Who gave you food? Did that woman give you food? Who gave you food, Jesus? And Jesus responded with John 4, um, 34. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And, and all of that build up to say this first point. Loving your neighbor is sometimes inconvenient and uncomfortable. My first interaction with my neighbor, Teresa, was not a positive one, and to be honest, I didn't even act like a Christian, and I'm very disappointed in myself to say that. And all she asked me to do was mow my lawn. <laughs> and I was very limited in my kindness to her. I said, you know, I'll, I'll get to it when I can. And then I walked into my house and I grumbled and I complained. like, Doesn't she know my car is never here? I am always at work. I am never home. Why doesn't my roommate do it? He's home all day playing video games and sitting in his underwear. Like, really? Are you kidding me? And you're going to ask me to do it? <laughs> and as I'm walking up the stairs to my bedroom... God convicts me, like, really, dude? Really? What did I tell you to do? Fine. You're right. You told me to mow the lawn and mow theirs, too. Then water it for them. (laughs) Loving your neighbor is like doing the will of the Father. It feeds us just like it fed Jesus while he was sitting there with a woman. Sometimes, sometimes loving your neighbor is not easy to do, and sometimes you will grumble and complain about it afterwards, and then the Holy Spirit just kind of knocks you on your rear end, and you're sitting there going, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, God. Love you. Because, let's be honest, Jesus takes you to places that you don't want to (laughs) go. Um, Sometimes that's Ghana. Sometimes that's Papua New Guinea. Sometimes it's to your neighbor, literally next door or across the street. Sometimes loving your neighbor is just turning to the left or right of your own seat. And I hope that you guys see that it's clear when Jesus is telling his disciples to go get food that it's not really about the food. He sent them on that errand to teach them about themselves, and I wonder sometimes if our lives are too safe. I wonder sometimes, because the Bible doesn't really say it, but these Jews have grown up in luxury compared to Samaritans, and we as Christians, and we as a society, we like to make our plans around luxury, because we want to feel safe, because That's what we've been taught by our culture. Well, what does Jesus do? He totally changes our plans left and right. And it doesn't always make sense now, does it? And point number two about loving our neighbors. Loving your neighbor means walking towards what you don't understand. If everyone you meet in this life you already understood, how boring would it be? Would there be any point to making new friends? Would there be any point to witnessing to people? Would there be any point to anything, really? I mean, we are relational beings. What we do, I've had conversations with pretty much everyone in this room at some point in time, and I've been shared God's love from you, and I've shared it back. I wonder if you've missed some of the mission trips that Jesus intended to take you on. Because when those 12 men walked back and they see Jesus at this well, they were walking towards everything that they had avoided and everything that they didn't understand. Jesus, a Jew, not only that, but their Messiah, their Jewish Messiah is walking towards a Samaritan, a half-Jew, a half-breed, a reject, and they just didn't understand it. Have you ever had those moments with Jesus? Some doctrines of faith have even gone to the extent of saying that those moments are proof that something is wrong with your walk with Jesus. When you feel like you don't understand, and God is taking you through something, but you don't understand it because he's God and we're not. And some doctrines of faith will tell you that when you don't understand, that's when you need to drop to your knees and figure out what's wrong with you. And to be honest, Jesus is just taking you through something you've never been through before. I would like to go on record saying that those moments when you're talking to a homosexual or someone who doesn't believe a single thing that you believe, or when you're talking to an atheist who doesn't believe anything that you believe, or when you're talking to a spiritualist, which is very possible here in Milton, Fife, and Edgewood, who doesn't believe anything that you believe, and you're sharing the love of Christ, those moments of tension are the very moments that Jesus is taking you into. And I do believe that those moments of tension where you are showing love and sharing your faith, I believe those are very much proof that God is walking with you and that you're walking with Jesus. And in those moments, you are truly loving your neighbor. Because how easy would it be to be like these 12 men, to walk up on a scene that just doesn't look right, and get angry and frustrated, and be like, whoa, Jesus, you didn't say anything about us doing that. you serious right now? Are you following Jesus? Are you walking with Jesus? And sometimes... uh, And not all the time, but I do believe that sometimes you should feel like these disciples as they walk toward Jesus and this unclean Samaritan woman. Lastly, I do believe that loving your neighbor means expanding your limits on God's love. (laughs) Our limits on God's love. We're all guilty of this. There are going to be days when God takes you out of your comfort zone and, and when God uses you in a way that you never expected him to. There are going to be days when you feel movement, but the Holy Spirit uh, is taking you towards someone that you don't understand or towards a group of people you don't understand. And your head is going to explode with how expansive God's love is after it's done. It's never during, it's always after that you realize how amazing God is because you walked through something that you didn't know you could go through with someone that you don't understand, you don't know, maybe you've never talked to before in your life and then afterwards you're like, wow, God, I just talked to someone who doesn't believe anything that I believe, who thinks I'm a religious bigot, if I may say that. A lot of people think that about us. But then you walk through this and they're like, huh, I guess Jesus isn't really like that. And Jesus walked you through it, and then all of a sudden you have this new relationship with someone who might not have otherwise opened up their heart or their ears to listen to God's love. And God used you for that. What I really love about Jesus is how he really hits this one home. This idea of loving your neighbors as much as yourself, loving even your enemies as much as yourself which that can be a lot more difficult, can't it? And I love this when he's standing on the mountain after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, and he spent, you know, another 40 days with his disciples. And he's standing there on the mountain, and he's about to ascend into heaven, and he says in Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the, the earth. And I bet the disciples are like, what? You want us to go back there? You mean to tell me that this love that we've experienced from you, Jesus, is meant to be shared? What? And not with the Jews, but with Samaritans? And the rest of the world? It is meant to be shared. It's meant to be shared with our neighbors, with everyone that we encounter, with everyone that we meet. Who is your neighbor? Everyone. Everyone is your neighbor. And to be honest, until we step out of that comfort zone, until we step out and we expand our limits of what God's love looks like for us and for the rest of the world through us, It would be a really hard life if we kept this love to ourselves. It would be really hard to go through life not sharing that love with other people, not sharing that love with our families, with our friends, with people that we've never met before, but maybe we encounter on a daily basis. Who is your neighbor? Everyone. What are we supposed to do? Love them. Love them with everything that you have. That was a lot shorter than I intended it to be, but I think you guys understand what I'm saying when I say that Christianity has this image problem. We have this this struggle that we are dealing with every day. I also believe that we're we're the solution to that problem. We are the solution. We are the answer to... This image problem that, that that the world has of us. If we don't step out of our comfort zone, if we don't actually try to understand people who are different from us, if we don't try to walk with Jesus, and we just come in here on Sunday morning, we just go through the motions, raise our hands, sing the songs, pray at the end, and then we walk out those back doors. To be honest, I don't think of those as the exit doors. Those are the entrance doors to the world that Jesus has called us to. And I wonder how many of us see the entrance doors from the other side. In fact, I wonder how many people who have never experienced Christ's love see those doors as an entrance into something that they don't understand and they're maybe a little afraid of. I really believe that these four walls should not be the extent of our understanding of God's love. That those doors right there that we can all see should be the entrance into relationship with others. It should be the entrance to the rest of the world that God has called us through. It should be the beginning of something, not the end of service on Sunday. So if you'll bow your heads with me and we can just come into agreement this morning as one body, as one mind. Lord, I I pray right now and I cry out and I ask you, Lord, just show us how expansive your love is. Show us how grand your love is. Lord, I pray that when you love on us, Lord, it inspires us to love on others. And Lord, I pray, I pray so much for the people who don't know you that we don't add to that image problem. That we don't add to the issue of why people won't come to church. Lord, that when they walk in through the door, they don't see religious bigots or, or, or to be honest, religion that destroys them. Lord, I pray that they see the God and the Father who loves us and the Jesus who walks with us on a daily basis. Lord, I pray that you reign true in our lives, Lord. Whether we know you on a personal level or not, Lord, I pray that we encounter you and then we encounter others and they see you in us. Or they know that something is different, Lord. Lord, I pray that this morning as we walk out of those doors into relationship with others, Lord, I pray that you start to turn the focus from us and you start to turn the focus onto those who we've never met, that we've never encountered, that we can show love unashamed to everyone we meet, that we can show love To maybe people that we look down upon, Lord, convict us of that. I pray that we can look out into the world and we can see how expansive your love is. How amazing your love is, God. Lord, I thank you that we have the ability to love others because you first loved us. I couldn't imagine showing that love to somebody without experiencing your love first, God. So Lord, we stand here this morning as one body and one mind, one spirit, to say we are going to make a difference. We are going to change that image. We are going to change how people look at us and, and view you, Lord. Lord, when we walk out those doors this morning, it's not going through the motions. It's not just another day. It's a day that you've made. Not only will we rejoice and be glad in it, but we're going to love on others and rejoice and be glad that they're there for no other reason than to love on them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And if there's anyone in this room who doesn't know maybe that love and would like to. I want to offer a moment to say, yes, that's me. I want to know this this Jesus on a more personal level. And if you would like to just pray with me, you don't have to pray out loud. You don't have to raise your hand or stand up or anything like that. I don't want to do that. But if you'll just come into agreement with me, maybe it's even just a rededication out of conviction or, or just love for, for God and love for Jesus. Would you just agree with me now as I pray this? Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to change Maybe some things about me that need to be changed. Some attitudes within me that maybe aren't right. Lord, I want to know you as my own personal friend. I accept the gift of grace. And I accept that you died on the cross for my sins, for my shortcomings, for my failures. I ask you to come into my life. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus' name, amen. So with that, who are you encountering this week? Maybe even as you go out, just think about that question I posed at the beginning. What is it like to be your neighbor? Maybe God will convict you. Maybe you won't. Maybe you're already living that life, and if you are, I love you. Um, but yeah, go out, show God's love. That's all I got. Am I standing with us?